Before I get started, I wanted to take a quick second to talk about my sponsor, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. New website. They changed everything up. It's an awesome, awesome new website. Go check it out. Very user-friendly. Got everything that the old one had. Just uh, a new layout and a new setup. Also, be sure to use the promo code FACTS whenever you check out. They get you 25% off your order. I love Paloma Verde CDBD. Uh, I use the gummies and the tincture. It helps me mellow out. It helps me rest and sleep during the day. I'm, I am very much a up and going kind of person. And if the sun's up, I'm up and working a night shift, that sucks. So these help kind of mellow me out, calm me down, uh, give me where I can, you know, lay down, take a nap. They also have a salve. My wife had uh, a major back surgery when she was younger and she has some shoulder and back issues. And she has said that the salve is the only thing that makes her feel better. When she puts that on her shoulders, everything is better. She can actually move. She's not stiff. So go check them out. Carlos and Vanessa over at uh, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Use the promo code FACTS and get 25% off your order. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This podcast. check this podcast episode 69 and because i'm not actually a 12 year old like my wife claims i am not going to make a joke about the episode in fact i'm not going to do anything funny for the episode whatsoever it's going to be a completely horrible boring episode because i decided for some dumbass reason that today i was going to take on communism and the communist manifesto i i've read the communist manifesto including another once-over of it today and just kind of uh, skimming through it somewhat quickly. I've read it about five times now, and the last time that I, I really sat down and went through it was uh, probably early 2017. It was it was around the election of uh, Donald Trump and, and briefly thereafter. So, so it's been a few years since I've really given it any significant thought and to be fair so the only reason that i i read it to begin with is because if you read sun tzu's art of war uh the one of the key components to defeating your enemy is to know your enemy as well as you know yourself and whether or not communism is a real enemy I, I don't have a good answer for that. I think I think we have much bigger enemies here in the United States uh, as it goes, but it is considered an enemy. And since communism and fascism and Nazism and all the other you know whatever ism you want to tag onto the dumbassery that goes on in this country is, it is a an important topic and something that should be looked at. So, so, you know, several years ago, I sat down and really took a look at it. And, and I went through it multiple times. Like I, I had read it previously, but I hadn't really, like, I wasn't reading it to uh, analyze it or, or anything like that. I, I just read it to read it. Uh, just, you know, check that box on the list of things that I've actually read. Um, but, you know, as we progress forward with society and the way that it's going, 
especially with the, the Biden administration and other stuff. Um, it felt like it was a good time to, to revisit it. And there was a really interesting episode that uh, Pete Quinones did from Free Man Beyond the Wall, which I, I mention him regularly, and I, I listen to his show a lot because it is a really good show. Like, if you don't listen, you should go listen to that. In fact, definitely go listen to that uh, instead of listening to me. But he talked to a guy that, that explained the difference between socialism and communism and the fact that, uh, like, what all of these countries have actually experienced was socialism. It wasn't, it wasn't actually communism. And I guess the thing that got me thinking about this really was there was a, a Twitter poll posted yesterday, I believe it was, that uh, or the day before, some, anyway, in the last couple of days, there was a Twitter poll that would you rather have your kid grow up to be a communist or a Beltway libertarian? And uh, for anybody who doesn't know what a Beltway libertarian is, it's uh, they're like the ultimate blue pill, just it's everything about the libertarian party that uh, makes people not want to have anything to do with the libertarian party, more or less. Uh, so... So, like, obviously, and, and my answer was, I would rather have my kid be a communist because, like, in the most pure ideal of what communism is supposed to be, it is, it is sort of a true argument that communism has never been tried because everything that ends up being tried is actually some version of socialism, which... So anyways, so that got me thinking, like, this is this is a good topic to, to dig a little bit deeper into. And and there is a delineation between those two, and I'll get into that, you know, later on. But I, I wanted to kind of start off with with a, a look at a significant portion of the Communist Manifesto. And I'm, I'm just going to go straight off of that. And then from there, I'm going to kind of break down some of the different things that I've seen, you know, that I see through the Communist Manifesto, things that maybe were, I guess, another part of what's got me looking at this, uh, just to con continue the derailing of this episode. Uh, so I've also been working my way through the Unabomber Manifesto, and he very accurately picks out a lot of social issues specifically with the left, but you know, with other things as well, as he kind of goes through stuff, uh, especially early on in, in the, in the pamphlet or book or whatever you want to call it. And, and so that, that got me thinking about that as well, because the communist, the communist manifesto is also, especially in, you know, the first chapter, it does a really good job of, pointing out things and it, it is very it is very socially accurate in the way it assesses certain things so uh, i mean there whatever you may think of communist and socialist ideals and the way that those governmental systems tend to end up going you know a la venezuela and it, there are so many other examples that you can look at uh, it, it, for however you feel about that and and the obvious you know real world implications of how horrible that tends to end the there is there is there is a difference between communism socialism and and in their uh the assessment that is given in the communist manifesto there are a lot of very accurate points that are made about 
how society is established and things that are going on. But, and and that's that's where I'll get into as I, I kind of work my way through this. So we're going to start somewhere um, in the middle and just read through. It's like a, it's a list of things. So these measures will, of course, be different in different countries. Nevertheless, in the most advanced countries, the following will be generally applicable. Abolition of property and land and application of all rents and land to public access. A heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Abolition of all right of inheritance. Confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. Centralization of the means of communication and transportation in the hands of the state. Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. The bringing into cultivation of wastelands and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with common plan. Equal liability of all to labor. Establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. I, I, I want us to hold on to that one. Equal, equal liability of all to labor. Let's hang on to that. Because that, that's, that's a very important piece of, of this puzzle. Combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of the population over the country. And finally, free education for all children in public schools, abolition of children's factory labor in its present form, and a combination of education with an industrial production, etc., etc. Now, that is pulled straight from the points of what a communist society would look like in a communist in the communist manifesto. Number one, does that not look exactly like what the fuck we are living in in the United States right now? Centralization of credit in the hands of the state. Extension of factories. Equal distribution of population. <clears throat> that hasn't worked out so well. But if you look at uh, heavily industrialized states, some of the places that are uh, considered more advanced, especially the, the more progressive areas, you see that. Centralization of the means of communication and transport. Free education for all children in public schools. There is a reason that the federal government fights against private schools so hard. It's because it, I, that is what they want. This is what they want. Free education at the hands of the state. Abolition of all right of inheritance. The inheritance tax moves to attempt to neutralize inheritance. A, a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Now, rebels is the key here because effectively rebel 
is anyone who is deemed an enemy of the state. And if you look at the way uh, the police will uh, civil asset forfeiture or seizure, the way the police go about taking people's stuff when they have been deemed an enemy of the state, it's right the fuck there. The way our country is run right now is pulled straight from the motherfucking Communist Manifesto. If you think for one fucking second that you live in a free country, if you think for one fucking second that we are not already pretty much a communist nation, you clearly haven't read this. Clearly. And you know what's really fucked up about that on the topic of probably haven't read this? Because I feel like this should be required reading. You should have an understanding of what these ideas and concepts are, regardless of what your opinion of them are or is. You should know what it says. Like, I don't think most of the people who are self-proclaimed socialists or communists have ever actually read this, have any idea what it says. And an inter- another interesting thing that kind of got me on this topic or, or, or thinking about this was uh, Johnny and Peddling Fiction did an inter- interview with Michael Reckenwald uh, on Thursday and getting to go through and, and clip and, and, and edit that video. Uh, Michael Reckenwald, it was previously a Marxist, and, and he explains in a very logical, reasonable way why he kind of chose Marxism and, and like the ideas of Marxism. And it, and it actually came out of, to, to some effect, an anarchist position and an anarchist ideal. Uh, of of doing away with the state, of removing the state. And then as he got into uh, Messian economics and started to learn more about like libertarian concepts and ideas and principles and, and stuff like that, you know, he he was able to see through that and kind of move move past that towards actual uh, like libertarian uh, and cap type stuff, which, which, you know, it would be nice if other people would, but, but you really need to take a look at this stuff and take a dive into it. So, so if we start like early in the, the pamphlet or the book or whatever you want to call the, because the communist manifesto is like 40 pages long. It's not like it's some long, hard read. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't qualify it as a book per se, because it is so short. It's, it's a pamphlet. Uh, so in the early part, something that that i identified is that they do a good job of of kind of acknowledging and recognizing is uh the history of all hitherto existing societies is the history of class struggle and it boils that down into two like and they go through and they talk about um you know like the different classes that have existed throughout history and kind of the way they break down going from you know feudal societies and the roman empire and everything else like moving forward but it it really boils down to two classes and those two classes are the oppressed and the oppressor and there's a lot of people who've been saying that a lot over the last year it is 
the people versus the state. They are the oppressors and we are the oppressed. So, so they do a good job of identifying that and, and laying that out. Um, they also talk about, uh, they get into wage slavery and like the working class, uh, how the, the middle class is kind of being dissolved and destroyed, which we see that, you know, in modern society very, very actively right now, especially with the way the lockdowns and everything have, have kind of been. Uh, but there's no other nexus between man and man than a naked self-interest and cash payment. So it, it, they do a good job of, of kind of breaking down that they, in our modern society, that's the way we interact with each other. And for, for better or worse, as a capitalist, I feel like that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you bring value to someone and they have something that you need, like there's an interaction, there's an exchange, and it's mutual and agreed upon. I, it's not like this is uh, there's anything nefarious about that. But the Communist Manifesto and, and the way they approach that that that's kind of a, an evil. So it's whatever. It's you know, we all have different opinions about that sort of stuff. So I, I don't take a, a huge amount of uh, offense to to that idea. Uh, so. One of the things that they continue as they go on and they look at uh, the bourgeois versus the proletariat and sort of the way society and, and the class struggle is broken down is that the you know the, the elites, those at the top, the oppressors, they, as industrial society continues to progress and advance and grow, uh, there is a constant need for it to continue to advance and to progress and to grow and in order for that to happen it kind of upsets the balance of things and creates disorder which puts the bourgeois at a uh, like at a disadvantage so something to talk about is that they create these these crises and uh, it which paved the way for even more destructive crises which diminish the means whereby these crises are prevented. So as long as there's this perpetuating cycle of crisis going on within society, then it keeps those who are at the top in power kind of in that position, while those at the bottom are in this struggle to fight the next crisis as it comes. And so, and you see that in our society as well. I mean, the war on drugs, the war on terror, uh, here we are with COVID. And if you track it back, like there's always something, there's always something that's coming up that is kind of driving this progressive crisis narrative that never fucking ends. And it keeps everybody who is being controlled under control because we are constantly having to be in the struggle to get through the current crisis. While those at the top are manufacturing the crises and maintaining their power because we are too busy trying to figure out how to get out of it and how to advance through it so that we can continue to be successful. So, I mean, look, they do a good job of identifying some major societal and cultural issues that, that exist today, just as much as they existed back then. And, and that's like, this stuff hasn't, hasn't changed. So we need to look at it and acknowledge it. 
Um, now, something that, that they pointed out uh, that, that I didn't necessarily agree with was they create this oversimplification of uh, defining labor as being an appendage of the machine. So the, the improved industrialization of labor and the economy, like the way things are produced and manufactured, uh, the way they kind of play that off as a bad thing in that the, the skilled laborer has now become just the thing that is using the machine that actually does the work, if that, if that makes sense. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that or, or particularly care for the way that's, that's um, kind of explained or, or written off as being such this, like this horrible thing. Because to be able to effectively run certain machines, like, yeah, if you're setting a basket of fries on the thing and you push the button to drop the fries for two minutes and they go down and then at the end of two minutes they come back up, obviously you're just the appendage that's sticking the fries in the basket and then dumping the fries back out of the basket. But there are other, like, much higher levels of industrial... Uh, improvement and and uh automation and stuff like that that to be able to operate those machines is a skilled labor in and of itself like you're not just the arm that's cranking on something like you have actual work and and a skill that goes into that so so i, I kind of delineate on that a little bit which there's a lot of things that if you read it like you're going to look at it and you're going to be like oh wow that's kind of they're kind of spot on and other things that you look at and you're going to be like yeah they're kind of fucking nuts and that's i'm getting to the uh to the completely fucking nuts part here pretty quickly um because what what we end up hitting is and they touch on the destruction of the middle class and how that's kind of playing out which creates which is creating and has created the true like two-class system of the bourgeoisie and the proletariats and kind of how all that that works out and so that's when they start getting into the the actual ideas and the concepts of communism and this is where we hit the the abolition of property and and all of that sort of stuff and this is where we really start to get into the contradictory and just like just the total bullshit of this whole thing. And if you haven't read it, it can be a tough read because they are wordy and they think highly of their own intelligence in the way that they write this. And like, I'm pretty sure out of the 40 pages that this took, you could strip the whole thing down and do it in about 12. Uh, there's a whole lot of jerking themselves off to just use big words and say a lot of pointless, dumb bullshit that sounds really good if you're a fucking moron. But if you actually have half a lick of sense, you're just like, what's the point of the circle jerk here? Like, 
you're droning on about some bullshit that you could have very easily explained in uh, like two sentences. So for me, it was kind of a tedious read because I have a fucking brain. But you know, I don't know for uh, for a dumbass progressive who doesn't actually study things or hasn't looked at uh, world societies and like has never actually looked at any different forms of economic uh, means and, and stuff like that. Like, it, I guess it could be entertaining to look at that stuff and think, oh man, they're really onto something here. Uh, they're really smart. Yeah, <laughs> really fucking smart. Uh, so anyway, so like here's where we really get into a major contradiction. So the abolition of existing property relations is not at all a distinctive feature of communism. That is an exact line. The abolition of existing property relations is not at all a distinctive feature of communism. But then like two lines later, they go on to explain what they aim for is the abolition of bourgeois property. And by that, they mean the abolition of private property in its entirety. Because private property is a uh, an ideal of capitalism and wage labor. So they go from saying that they don't intend to exist property, or they don't intend to abolish property. They just want to abolish property. Uh, like that's that's i mean literally within f four to six lines they completely contradict themselves and flip this whole thing on its head and and the way they try to define it is that uh because we are all the wage slaves of the bourgeois and the way that the system is established that all private property is in fact bourgeois property and so it all needs to be abolished they don't want to abolish property they just want to abolish the property of the oppressors, which also includes your property, because if you have attained property, then that means you're an oppressor. So, so, and that's that's the same way that they go about explaining the the demolition of the family and of religion. And that, like, I am a very strongly Christian person. I don't want to see the demolition of religion. But with that one, especially historically, the way uh, the church and the state have kind of been in intertwined, and even in the United States with the, you know, the supposed separation of church and state, the two still kind of have uh, four large portions of history gone hand in hand. So I can see that one a little bit. Uh, and I, while I have a personal issue with it, I don't necessarily disagree with the ideal behind it as far as the like the communist Marxist uh, rationale goes. Like, I, I can understand it even if I don't like it or agree with it, if that makes sense. But with the family thing, like they, they want to do away with the family because the uh, like the wife, and the children are just viewed in in this in like in this 
context of the the, the you know the communist idea as being these uh, instruments of just further uh, property and progress towards supporting the the bourgeoisie and and the wage the wage slavery and and all of that sort of stuff and like that the family dynamic is just this uh part of that cycle of oppressor dominating the oppressed <laughs> like they had to have had and I, I don't know i haven't researched marx himself uh very in-depth maybe i should read about him and his his family history or something but like the only thing i can really take from that is hey these guys had a, a horrible family life and some terrible marriages and like for i, I feel like for the overwhelming majority of uh you know modern or even even in that time like advanced uh successful societies that wasn't the that wasn't the reality for most people who had a family <laughs> like it, it seems it seems like a crock of fucking shit if i'm just being totally honest like i don't know that 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 was a big the destruction of the family obviously it it doesn't work out but like the biggest problem that i have with kind of the way that that they set this up is you know they do a good job in the early parts of establishing that there are the two classes that there is the oppressed and the oppressor the oppressor and the oppressed and that you know all through history every civilization in one way or another has ended up splitting itself along those lines somehow that you know there are all these middling classes but ultimately that's what they really boil down to you know you have the the lowest of the low and which they even refer to them as scum in the i mean that, that's pretty humorous and and they're those are like the, the like the the useful idiots you know as far as the the communists are concerned so but you have like the lowest of the low and then you have like the upper upper tier and then you have everything in between but it all boils down to like all of these lumped together as the oppressed and then you got your oppressors up here uh, and all through history they always end up somehow breaking themselves out into these same lines and these same structures always always like this isn't there's no exception to the rule that is the rule period so when you look at it like everything stacks up in this class system feud and and they're looking to to destroy that upper echelon to remove that upper you know top tier so that all the rest can 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 do it together but that's counterintuitive see that's counterintuitive because as they've already explained throughout the entire first chapter of this the class system always exists and it always manifests out of whatever society is so you have to be like 
you have to be mentally disabled in some way to think that if you destroy that upper tier to create this new system, when you know that historically, always, without fail and without exception, society ends up reclassifying itself with a new top tier, that that's just magically not going to happen in communism because it doesn't exist. Like there, there is no, there is no rationale. There is no reasoning. There is no explanation ever given at any point of how that's not going to happen. And it always happens. And every time that you've had a communist society be formed or a socialist society or whatever you want to call it, it's the way it always happens. And the really fucked up thing about like democratic socialism and the ultra progressives who like want communism here in the United States is that they want the people in Washington to be in charge of it. So they want the oppressors who are already in position to stay in that position. It's completely counter to everything that's that's laid out in the beginning of this, which I guess that's the way, you know, communism, uh, communist, the mindset apparently works, is the whole thing is counterintuitive to its own, its own teaching. I don't know. That was, it's interesting to look at, but at the same time, like, it's fucking infuriating. Like, Karl Marx had to have had brain damage to, to be able to go through and just, like, rail on the class system and the way it breaks down historically and then turn around and say, this is exactly what we need to do is form this all-encompassing state as if it's not going to break itself down in the exact same fucking way that it has literally at every point throughout history. That's just, uh, you've, you've got to be fucking retarded not to see that especially when you've already laid out the entire argument for why that always happens. <laughs> I don't even, I, I don't I don't even know where to go with that. It's it's fucking dumb. And, you know. I, so I, I wanted to close with this because it is something that I, there uh so like like I said, I I'm a anarcho-capitalist and cap and like I'm all for doing away with the government and and focusing on capital, capitalism. And then there is a, a uh, it, it's a lot of people think it's a uh, contradictory idea, the anarcho-communist. And honestly, I think that in and of itself would be the purest and and most true form of communism that could possibly exist. Would be the anarcho-communist. Because at its core, communism's the, the aim of communism is to destroy that, that ruling class, to remove the oppressor. And, and the idea of anarcho-communism would be to remove the oppressor and then just let everybody do it together. And if, you know, if that kind of a communal society could work, it, the only way it could work, and it's the same way with anarcho-capitalism, 
honestly, I mean, honestly, the only way it could work would be in like small town and community settings. And that's, that's another problem that I have with communism in and of itself is, is the, is the doing away with the, the country with kind of evenly distributing the population and just making everything the same is that you take away the ability to have those communities that actually do things for themselves and for each other. I think because it, it like, it, it never works out central, the centralized planning of all of this never works. It never has, and it never will. And you really have to be fucking retarded to think that it would. Like, there is no exception to that rule, like I said. Uh, but, but like I was saying, you know, the, the anarcho-communism is probably the most pure, true form of communism, and the only way that it could possibly work. So, like, I don't, I don't have any problem with the ANCOMs. I just think they need to, uh, you know, go buy a hundred acres somewhere and and fucking do it and and shut the fuck up and leave the rest of us alone about it, you know? Which honestly, that's what the ANCAPs need to do too. Uh, I don't know that there is there, uh, not I don't know. There is absolutely no uh, like solution that is going to be across the board works everywhere for everyone. And that's just the hard reality of it. That's why the that's why states' rights uh, should be such a big a big deal. That's why federalism should be more prominent. That's why secession should be talked about more, because there is nothing that ever will work at a mass scale. There's absolutely no way you can account for every single person and. It's a different community from here in BFE, just outside of the little town of Mount Vernon, to seven miles east of us in Evansville. It's a massive difference from the west side of Evansville to the east side of Evansville. It's a huge difference from here to three hours south to where my parents live or three hours south to Nashville or to St. Louis or to Indy or to Louisville. There is no blanket anything that works. That's why decentralization has to be at the forefront of any and every solution because it has to work for your community there's no way it's ever going to work for every community. That'll do it for today's episode. If you're listening to the podcast, I hope the little break in there wasn't too bad. It should have only been a couple seconds. Uh, and I'll kind of clean it up as best I can. I will be talking to Giles Miller. for We're going to have another... Uh, Another little in-depth look at some religious topics. Uh, This time we're going to get into the pagan traditions that became Christian holidays. So if you're into that sort of stuff, check back on Wednesday for that. 
my son and I are also going to do a breakdown of the first episode of the Amazon Prime animated series uh, Invincible, which is based off of a comic book. Because I gotta have my I gotta have my kid come do a, a comic book issue or a comic book series with me or a show every once every once in a while with me. Still in works for having a uh, a HIPAA expert come on to explain all of that. Hopefully within the next couple weeks. So I've got a lot of big stuff going on, and uh, I don't know if you like what I'm doing or if you found any of this informative or you just want to piss somebody off and say, look, there's a guy talking about communism and share it with somebody. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to hear other people's opinions on these topics because like, I, I really like doing the interview episodes cause I get to bounce stuff off of people and we get to, you know, have some back and forth. I, I really want to have, you know, a good discourse on this sort of, on these sort of things, especially a topic like this, like communism. Like, I mean, obviously I'm no communist and, uh, I don't agree with much of anything that uh, that they have to say in terms of their solutions. I I definitely agree in many ways with the problems that they identify. I just think that the way they want to go about solving those problems is completely ass backwards and and ridiculous. And you would have to be a fucking moron to think that that's actually going to work in any way. Uh, but that's all I got for today. Hope you enjoyed it. And check back Wednesday for me and Giles talking about religious stuff again. Have a good one.